0: Thanks for tuning in, I'm Zach, and this is Cast Junkie, a weekly bite-sized show that gives you a look into a new podcast each week. If you're looking to help further Cast Junkie and support indie podcasts, don't forget to check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Junkie or join our Discord community. The link to that is available on castjunkie.com, where we have a full line of support indie podcast merch. Profits from our Patreon and merch sold all go back to support other people's indie podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe to Cast Junkie so you can get the next episode as soon as it drops. And rate and review us over on Podchaser or wherever you're listening to help us get a name out there. Let's get into this week's review. This week we're traveling to a hidden city in the darkest, deepest reaches of the Pacific Ocean to a utopian society. Brought to us by Christoph Laputka, this is The Leviathan Chronicles, an audio drama that although has never been completed is in my top 5 I've ever had the pleasure of listening to. The Leviathan Chronicles tells the stories of immortal beings trapped in a civil war and how a young genetic scientist named McAllen Orsel is trapped between who she was led to believe she was and who she truly is. She must navigate the water per se to find out what she really is and decide how she is going to better society as we know it and the society of immortals that she's come to learn about. The story of the Leviathan Chronicles is just as amazing as the soundscape itself. So, let's take a listen to the Leviathan Chronicles. Left operating. Whatever hit us, we're alone, sir. Alone?
1: Langley, Virginia, one year later. The autumnal winds that blew through the CIA campus were growing colder as October faded away. Scarlet leaves speckled the rich green lawn that covered most of the modern grounds. Two white stone arches filled with aquamarine glass flanked the long central entrance hall. That all employees entered to begin the extensive identity verification protocols that were part of everyday life at the farm. On that Saturday, deep in the southern annex of the CIA headquarters, a 33-year-old man named Whit Roberts was walking down a sterile hallway that lay more than half a mile underground. He stood about five foot ten, with straight brown hair that was side parted and combed neatly over his ears. His eyes were a sharp hazel, and his medium build seemed to fill out the casual forest green polo shirt that he wore with his Banana Republic jeans. Indeed, he had been told it was his perfectly nondescript looks that made him so perfectly suited for fieldwork at the company. He wondered if that's why he received the call twelve months ago to come down to this hallway. A great deal had changed for Whit Roberts in the last twelve months. What made the hallway deep below the southern annex so unusual was that there were over 20 sets of jet black doors in perfect formation on both sides of the hallway. The floors of the hallway were nondescript white linoleum that caused Wit's penny loafers to echo sharply against the glaring, glistening white walls of the hallway. None of the doors had any markings or any nomenclature of any kind. They were sterile, lifeless, and black. The hallway was straight, and perfectly rectangular, with a stainless steel elevator through which Wit had exited on one end and a white wall on the far end. Wit had heard whispers about the mythical Black Door Group but never suspected that it actually existed. Certainly no one who worked in his area ever spoke of it and it was rumored that not even those who worked behind one of the doors knew the nature of the operations conducted behind the other doors. Boxes within boxes, Wit thought. Never at any time when he visited the Black Door Group did he ever see another soul, never. He hadn't been asked to actually become a part of the Black Door Group, but his boss's boss's sector head had called Wit into his office for the first time after nine years with the CIA to inform him that he should lend his assistance to a Mr. Jason Sterling when and if called upon any information and conversation would be given top-secret security status and considered compartmentalized between the two of them. Any such assistance Witt provided was not intended to represent any sizable increase in his current workload, and Witt should speak up if it did in any way interfere with his current duties as a third-world cryptographer and monitoring agent. Anything Jason Sterling asked for was to take the utmost precedence. It was, in short, the most unusual conversation that Witt had ever had in the CIA. His work for the mysterious Jason Sterling began with a phone call 12 months ago as a request for the name of the Egyptian telecommunication company used in the construction of the US Embassy in Cairo. This wasn't Witt's area of expertise, but he knew how to get the information. This person, this Jason Sterling, on the other end of the telephone line seemed curt, but very grateful and complimentary of his work, and then promptly disappeared for three months. In the weeks that followed, Witt received more unusual and seemingly unrelated information requests. These requests necessitated increasingly deeper levels of investigation into various intelligence databases throughout the government and civilian realms. Despite his increased level of activity with Sterling, his official jobs workflow seemed to miraculously lighten as if he was being silently time-managed. And much as conducting research for the Black Door Group was flattering to wit, he harbored no illusions that he was any member of a privileged circle. In fact, it made him feel even more isolated within the CIA because his day job had stagnated quickly and his night job and all work associated with it were kept secret from all others. Wit counted 12 doors on his right and then found himself taking a deep breath before knocking twice.
0: Come in. Hello, Jason.
1: Well, Mr. Whit Roberts, thank you for coming in on
0: a Saturday. Well, I knew if you were here. <laughs> well, you're always here, Jason.
1: I can't believe how much Nana looks like her grandmother. It's uncanny. Look at their eyes. It's like they were sisters. You'
2: can see them in front of me now. You forget that you all share the same eyes. All Orsel women are blessed with emeralds to see from.
1: I see you haven't forgotten how to flatter a woman. How is she, Sedgwick?
2: She's been fading in and out, but I fear she's growing weaker. It's been rather downhill since the beginning of the week. In fact, she had a difficult time recognizing me these last few days.
1: Has she been taking her olanzapine? Did you make her take it? Of
2: course, but the beneficial effects of the medication seems to be lessening. I won't lie, it's been getting worse, McCallum. Today was the first time she actually lost consciousness. How long? About three hours. You should have called me sooner. But typically Madame Orsel despises being fussed over, despite the fact that her health is in danger. But this time, this was different. When she regained consciousness, she began repeating your name, almost like a mantra. My name? Well, mostly. What do you mean? Well, bear in mind that she was in the throes of delirium, but after repeating your name over and over... Her voice would fall to a whisper, and she would say the word, Leviathan. Do you have any idea what she could have meant by that? I have no idea, Sedgwick. Hmm. Come. She's in her bedroom. Nana? Macallan? Is it you, dear? I'm so glad you are here
1: I am I'm right here Nana can you feel me squeezing your hand my hand yes Nana your hand can you feel me it's hard I uh, I
2: yes now I can feel you oh McAllen I've missed you there's so much to tell you I'm getting stronger you know I know Nana you're
1: going to be better soon.
2: Oh, not better, McAllen. Stronger. <sighs> I I can't quite see you. It, it's hazy, but I can feel you. I know you're with me. <sighs> oh, McAllen, I'm so glad you're here. I don't feel like there's as much time anymore. You have plenty of
1: time, Nana. Stop talking like that. You just said you're getting better. I mean stronger. This is going to pass. We just need to change the medication that you're McCallan,
2: on. Callan, darling, you're so special.
1: So special.
2: I think you're special, Nana. And we're going to get through this? You need to understand how unique you are. I mean it, McAllen. You are so special. McAllen. McCallan. McAllen. McAllen.
0: McCallan. Stay with me, now. As we just heard in that sneak peek, The Leviathan Chronicles does an amazing job laying out each scene with background ambiance to match the vocals, creating a living and breathing world around your ears and leaving your brain to paint the picture of each scene as the characters lay it out in front of you. The story, like I said, has never been completed fully, but I don't think that's a good enough reason not to binge this entire two season show. The story and the twists and turns you'll take in this show are unmatched by many other audio dramas, and not to forget, but The Leviathan Chronicles was on the cusp of podcasting with its first episode launching in mid-2008. So, if you're a fan of audio dramas, go listen to The Leviathan Chronicles. You'll thank me later. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy listening to The Leviathan Chronicles, or any other podcast we've previously covered which can all be found wherever you're listening to Cast Junkie. You can find us at Cast Junkie on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, so follow us, won't you? We'll be posting links to this show and all others we cover on them. Have a podcast suggestion? Send them to us at castjunkie.com and we'll add it to our list. Until next week, don't forget to binge all the podcasts we've been highlighting.